Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to First Act, a podcast series from Koshi's Business Builders. I'm Seth Busby. And I'm Adam Bob. And we hope that you're enjoying First Act as much as we're enjoying bringing you these meaningful and often surprising conversations with Australia's most fascinating founders and personalities. Seth, I love recording this podcast with you each week. If you also love what you're hearing as well uh, or have any constructive tips, uh, do do let us know. Uh, tell us by leaving a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, oh, yeah, make sure it's five stars. Side note. Uh, now, on First Act, we find out the origin stories and ups and downs on the road to success. Uh, and, and today, you'll want to dive right into this one. And dive in we shall, because today's guest is four-time Olympian who's known for making a splash on the world diving stage. She has an Olympic silver and bronze medal and two gold and two silver Commonwealth Games medals, the first of which she won at just 13. She's also the co-owner of the Hardcore Strength and Weightlifting Club, the founder of the Australian Diving Academy and the founder of her own active wear label, Havoc Athletic. Welcome to First Act, Melissa Wu. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Melissa, thank you for joining us today. It is just, yeah, it's an honour to have you on our show. Uh, We're going to start with what we call our First Act icebreaker, a silly question to break the ice. Now, your icebreaker today is, if you could live inside any fictional TV show world, what would it be? Like, I'm talking, could be Westeros in Game of Thrones or, like, Star Trek or the Flintstones, just some interesting world and why? (laughs) Well, I am a big fan of Game of Thrones, so I'd actually probably pick somewhere like that just because it's so different to this day and age. And believe it or not, I'm actually not very good at technology, so part of me uh, is intrigued about living back in a time where they didn't have any of that. Well, would you be uh, House of Stark? Ooh, yeah, probably. You can't not be, hey? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, consider the, I was going to say consider the ice broken um, and that feels very like fire and ice theme, doesn't it? So, Melissa, you come from one of those sporty families where everyone was out and about at matches or events or training every week and weekend. But apart from diving, what role did sports play in your life as a little kid? Sports has been a massive part of my life, even though when I started out, you know, as a youngster doing a bunch of different sports, mainly just with school or because it's what my siblings did. I wasn't actually very good at many things. Uh, And even now, I wouldn't say that I'm that great at sport. Um, I'm just particularly good at diving. But I've always been very active. My family's always been very active, like you mentioned. And I think just, um, I guess, having my older sister paved the way for us. And she was always really good at swimming, but also good at gymnastics. And pretty much any sport that she did, she was good at. I think just her setting that example for us um, automatically got us into it and just made us all really sporty as kids. And I'm so glad that I've had sport my whole life. I think it's really, it's shaped who I am and 
uh, I guess my personality has always been a little bit more reserved and I've always been that kid that kind of hid behind their siblings a little bit. And I think that sports brought me out of my shell and uh, I guess just, I guess, yeah, maybe more confident and made me the person I am today. And so where did you first get that diving bug? You mentioned your sister um, was gymnast. She was great at all these other sports, but diving is pretty niche when you think about sport and you think about sport for kids. So how did that come about and how long did it take before not only you, but your coaches were like, oh, this kid's pretty good? (laughs) (laughs) Well, as a kid, I definitely preferred gymnastics and those types of sports over swimming. But because my sister was a really good swimmer, we spent the majority of the time at the pool and I actually really hated swimming. I used to cry before we used to go because it was cold. I didn't want to do it. I was like that too. It just just was never for me swimming. Uh, So I think as a kid already being drawn to gymnastics and I used to flip around the house a lot and just always was challenging myself in those ways. And then I think seeing diving because I was at the pool watching my sister a lot of the time, that just automatically drew me to the sport because I think just it was – I guess something that I hadn't really been exposed to much and it just fascinated me when I saw it. I really wanted to try it and I just knew, you know, when you see something, you just, you know, you're going to love it. And even though I'd never done it, I just knew part of me knew that I would love it. So that's how I got into it. But I guess not having a huge, like not an elite gymnastics background or anything like that. Um, Diving is very similar to gymnastics. So I didn't come from a huge background acrobatically, but I think just because I love the sport and I did have a bit of talent, that's, when coaches sort of realized that I yeah could potentially have a good future in the sport so after a few years in diving that's when I got invited into a like youth Australian Institute of Sport squad and uh, that was basically when they were beginning to bring junior athletes into elite the elite program and I was lucky enough to get that opportunity and that's kind of what um, that was my springboard I guess to success no pun intended Uh, but that was the big turning point for me. So we're talking really young. Like when we're talking junior, I mean, you're you're at school. uh, This is um, kind of like primary school time and your school friends are hanging out and playing games and you're busy training. Did you ever feel like you missed out on those sort of like so-called kind of normal things that people do at school or, or did you always kind of have your eyes on the prize or you felt like you had a bit of a mix of both? Well, I think because when I did start, when I was in primary school and I started diving, I just started at a, in a club. So it was very much just uh, for fun. It was a bit of a hobby. It was something I liked doing. It was the first thing that I probably found out that I enjoyed doing, the first sport that I actually really liked. So I think starting that way and developing my love for the sport but not having to immediately sacrifice for diving was a big part of what kept me in and what made me really love the sport. And then it's when I got to high school then that – I then got into that squad where I had to start committing all these hours, training full time, which is 10 sessions a week. And that was definitely tough to do. But I think at that point, because I was, I did have that big opportunity in that squad and I was committed to diving and I knew that that's what I wanted to do. For me, the sacrifice was easy to make and I didn't mind missing out on time with friends or doing other things because I was at that age where I knew exactly what I wanted and I wanted to go to the Olympics and I wanted to represent Australia. And so for me, it was worth doing everything I could to reach that goal. Now, there's been a lot of talk recently, particularly in the gymnastic area, about bullying in sport and the terrible treatment of young athletes. So I'm wondering what was your experience as a young athlete and also 
given that there's a very kind of blonde Aussie stereotype to elite swimming and elite water sports, did you also face racial discrimination as well coming from um, Chinese-Australian heritage? I think definitely I'd never have experienced any sort of racial discrimination. And, in fact, maybe the opposite when I was started in the elite program in Australia, it was basically run by Chinese coaches. So if anything, I really felt like I could relate to them on a level that (laughs) some of the other people couldn't. And and I think just culturally knowing where they come from and comparing their mentality to that of how I was brought up by my parents or my grandparents, I actually found that probably easier, if anything. But uh, I did experience other things like bullying and generally there were other elements of that elite program that made things quite difficult for me. Uh, so I think bullying was something that they sort of turned a bit of a blind eye to. But on top of that, just the difficulties of trying to study and do that kind of thing were really difficult for me um, as a kid. And, and I think on top of that, having experienced a little bit of bullying and not having anyone that I could really relate to made navigating that time in my life pretty difficult. So what do you think we can do better nowadays to make sure that the young athletes that are coming through the ranks now don't face that same kind of bullying? Well, I guess that every sport is different and I can only really speak about diving because that's uh, where I've had experience. Uh, But basically the way that things were run back then where everybody sort of moved to this national program that pitted divers against each other and fostered a really unhealthy environment mentally has Um, basically that's all been changed now. So it's now all in state institute programs and they've decentralised that main Australian Institute of Sport program and that's actually been really good, I think, for athletes coming up, um, for their mental health. But I will say that in doing that, there has been a bit of a sacrifice in the standard of diving in Australia and I think that now there's a bit of a gap, you know, compared to how when I grew up there was a lot of good divers, it was very competitive the downside to improving the situation for everybody's health has actually also resulted in a bit of a decrease in our um, talent, I think, and just in the results that we have coming up in our next generation. It's funny because you wouldn't think that bullying would actually bring mm. out the best results in people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, not, not that it brought out the best results. I think just it's it was a very competitive environment and I think that it really just you knew that you – I was always worried about my place in the program and you knew you had to perform. And I think just that constant sort of pressure, it's not that it made people perform. I guess it just weeded out the people that couldn't handle it. And so the ones that were in there doing well were the ones who were strong enough mentally, physically to stay there and to keep their place. Right. That's so interesting. But I mean, I guess it is a work in progress. Uh, a solution is not necessarily perfectly solving the problem um, and you're never going to necessarily say you're going to eliminate bullying completely because you can't say that you've had a 100% success rate. Now, I, I keep on coming back to the fact you were just 13 when you got your first medal at the Commonwealth Games. It's just it's absolutely flabbergasting because, and I think a lot of people just look and go, wow, like that's a huge achievement. When you look back at that time, uh, what do you remember from that moment? Well, I guess just kind of off the back of the last question, I guess is at that point in time, I did have a lot of pressure on me to keep my place in that squad. And at that time too, as I mentioned, my sister was 
um, a very good swimmer. My family had made a lot of sacrifices for me um, moving from the Gold Coast to Brisbane, for example, for my diving. That meant that my sister, she actually ended up quitting swimming and um, and my diving got prioritised over her sport. So I think just knowing the sacrifice that I put in, my family put in, uh, and the opportunities that I had, um, I didn't really think of it at that time as something that was amazing. I just thought, okay, this is what I have to do to keep my place to achieve, you know, my future goal of going to the Olympics. This is, you know, the stepping stones required. And so at that age, I, I knew when I went to Commonwealth Games that, you know, the media and all these other people made a big deal of it. But to me, it was never really a big deal. It was just, okay, this is what I have to do. And it was sort of, I guess, yeah, the mentality of the squad that I was in. I mean, it's incredibly grounded of you, even at that age, to go, right, there's a lot of fuss and hoo-ha around me. Because it is that kind of thing where you can start to go, oh, I'm going to believe the hype around me. I guess you can't believe that hype about yourself until you've reached those different goals <laughs> in, your, in your mind because you're climbing this ladder. So can you tell us about the moment you found out you were going to your first Games? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess at that point, going to my first Olympics, I had already been to my first Commonwealth Games a couple of years before that. So at that point, there was actually a very big difference between my first Commonwealth Games and my first Olympics. My first Commonwealth Games, I was a little bit more naive. There wasn't uh, pressure. There was pressure in terms of, you know, uh, from my coaches in the program to do well, but not from the, you know, Australians or other people that I would go and do well. So I did get to go into that comp without that sort of pressure. But then two years later at Olympics, I'd already had a few international comps under my belt. My single partner and I had gone and won medals at most major international events by that stage, except for Olympics. So going to Olympics, there definitely was a lot of pressure on us to go and win a medal. And it was very much just, okay, if you just go and do what you've been doing, do all the right things, then you should be able to get a medal. We didn't have to really pull anything crazy out of the bag or anything like that. So going in was definitely very exciting. I was super excited to go and represent Australia at my first Olympics. And it was in China, which was really cool for me, being half Chinese. That was a you know, massive thing. And I had family go and watch me. It was a really cool experience. But definitely I did feel the pressure going in to win a medal. And uh, I was lucky enough that we did do that, which was good. Yeah, and that that same Olympics you won a silver medal. It must have been incredibly proud because you'd worked so so hard. Ah, uh, yeah, it was a it was a massive moment, very exciting for me. I think just a huge relief as well, um, knowing that I'd gone and done what it was that I was expected to do. So I remember just standing on the podium, being super proud and happy, but also super relieved. Uh, but I didn't really get a lot of time to celebrate because I was competing in two events at the Olympics. So I had an, a week in between, but I had to also compete in the individual event as well after that. So off the back of that medal, it was a synchro medal. So my synchro partner, I think she was finished competing after that. She got to do, you know, a bunch of interviews like with Hamish and Andy and do a bunch of other things. And they <laughs> said to me, you can't do any of that because you've got another event still. So I missed out on a bit of that, but I think that was good to keep me sort of grounded and focused my individual event. Uh, but yeah, I think that's an example of when in diving, you've got to sort of regroup and refocus pretty quickly um so I think just I've always been used to that in diving there's always the next thing the next thing to focus on now you competed at three more olympics after Beijing but recently when you're on SAS Australia you said that you regretted pursuing that olympic dream to go to Rio because it meant that you weren't there for your sister Kristen who unfortunately really sadly lost her life it must have been so difficult how did continuing to compete and diving help you through that? 
Um, yeah, it was definitely a super tough time for my family and I and has been tough ever since then. And I guess in a way, yeah, diving was a thing that I guess sort of helped me refocus and just have something else to distract me from what was happening. And I, I did take a few months off and just spent that time with my family and I didn't really think about diving or even anything in my life. It just is such a massive thing to happen that you just you're just there with your family and you're all just trying to get through life. You don't really think about going back to what you were doing before or you can't imagine how you'll keep going. But I think then when it, you know, a few months went by, I just was needing something to kind of focus on to take my mind off it and knew that I had to sort of pull myself out of that sort of, I guess, yes, yeah, it's, it's a dark time, I guess, Get, I guess to pull myself out of that and to have some positivity around us as well. So diving really helped me in that in that regard to get back on track and just to have something to focus on. But at the same time, I guess just when I, I was living in Brisbane with my family moving, I made the decision after my first Olympics to move to Sydney to change programs because of the unhealthy nature of the program that I was in. And there that I guess even though I knew it was the best thing for me, it was a bit of a regret I had not having those years with my sister and, and that was really hard for me to deal with as well. Did it change how you think about mental health? Uh, I guess for me, I actually already, after my first Olympics, uh, I and I ended up having depression and anxiety, which is why I was in the state that I was in or the mental space where I decided that I, even, I either wanted to quit diving or that I wanted a really big change. And that's what kind of sparked my move back to Sydney. Uh, so I think just having gone through it, uh, that gave me one aspect of it, but then also losing a sister to suicide, I guess maybe, yeah, I guess look at it a little bit differently and try and understand it a little bit better and, and just I think it didn't hasn't really changed how I view it, I think because I have gone through a similar thing to her, but I think it was definitely a bit eye-opening to be on the other side of it, how people around you feel. Uh, and even though I sort of tried to consider that when I went through it, you can't really consider it to that magnitude unless you actually go through it as a family member who who has that happen to them. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Now, there comes a time for a professional athlete when... You know, the body starts to feel it's a bit grueling and there's a bit of an expiration date. When did that happen for you? When did you first start thinking about, hmm, maybe I'm going to quit this diving gig and start doing something else with my life? Uh, well, I haven't actually gotten to that point yet because I'm still actually competing athlete. Uh, but I think definitely when you first get injured, you look at things a bit differently. And until you get an injury that sets you back for a long period of time, you think you're sort of um, like superwoman and that you can do anything. And you're so used as a young athlete training hard and training hard. And then when you can't train hard, you get a bit lost. And like, well, what do I do then if I can't train hard? And 
at that point you learn to train smart and you learn to do things in a way that is going to preserve your body and your mind going forward and that's a, a big learning curve as an athlete but it's the lessons from those sorts of things that you can keep applying and applying and applying so every time that you do get injured or you have a setback you basically just learn to deal with it and I think just for me having gone through that process over and over and building that level of resilience I've never really gotten to the point where I've thought well injury is going to be the thing that holds me back or that forces me into retirement and even though I have had a big string of injuries throughout my career I've had a very long career and I haven't touched wood had anything that's going to push me completely out of the sport so I think when I do make that decision um, when I don't think I can dive anymore or don't want to dive anymore it will just be because it's 100% my decision and not because I'm forced out by anything that I don't think I can overcome. Hmm. So then what was it that made you decide you wanted to open the Australian Diving Academy? Well I have yeah a few different businesses I think for me just always knowing that diving won't last forever it's not a particularly big sport where there's not a lot of money in it or anything so you you just do it for personal satisfaction and to achieve your own goals but uh, you you can't basically sustain any life beyond diving based on that alone you've got to have a backup plan and I think for me it was always really hard for me to decide what I wanted to do but I think probably after Rio was the time when I really said okay I've got to sort out what I'm going to do with my career what I'm going to do after diving and I just, yeah, I guess being in sport so long as we talked about earlier, I naturally have just fallen into that. And so my first business is Hardcore Strength that I co-own with my brother. And that's a general strength conditioning business, but also a weightlifting club. Um, my whole family have actually been in weightlifting from you know a young age, basically. They started that because it was really close to where I was training when I was younger. So for my mum to get us to all our sports, that was sort of an easy choice. And so their backgrounds in weightlifting, we've got a weightlifting club and I've really enjoyed being a part of that and growing that business. And that's sort of the first, you know, our, our baby, our first business. So I'm really keen to see where that goes. And then I think just after that, other things just eventuated based on the things I was doing, the experiences I had. So such as Australian Diving Academy, I was doing some diving coaching and then that business kind of just developed from there uh, with uh, my business partner Kevin Chavez who I was coaching with in the New South Wales Institute of Sport at the time so yeah things just kind of developed that way and the more I do outside of diving the more I create this nice life balance and the more I look um, into these other opportunities that are coming uh, you know in areas outside of diving. Our next next question was actually just going to be about hardcore strength and weightlifting club and I'll tell anybody who's listening it's H-R-D-K-A-W so when you look it up it's just hardcore without the A in there. But the KAW, there's, you know, uh, there's some, there's a personal significance there. Can you share the story behind the name? Yeah, definitely. So hardcore, thanks for spelling it out. It's H-R-D-K-A-W. And the K-A-W is basically my sister Kirsten's initials. So Kirsten Amelia Wu. And she actually came up with hardcore. She was, uh, even though she was studying dentistry, she was very creative. She liked to bake cakes and do all sorts of things like that. And <laughs> Potential she, clients. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. And she, she had, um, you know, she joked that she would have, you know, a bakery one day called Hardcore Cakes felt that way or that she wanted to put hardcore as a number plate. So we kind of stole that from her. <laughs> I hope she doesn't mind. But I think it was a really nice way for us to just, always keep her not just in our thoughts but part of our business and it was in a way honoring her 
calling our gym hardcore and we thought it was a really appropriate name for a gym especially a weightlifting gym it's kind of cool it's a bit different it's a very I guess memorable name once you know how it's spelt and it's just our way of keeping her close to us and and her helping to remind us of what it is that we want to do you know helping other people and living every day to the fullest and just not having any regrets I guess. And you mentioned you started it with your brother. So what are the benefits of being business with family? And I imagine there's some challenges as well. There are definitely, and I've heard a lot of podcasts, I've read a lot of things that say, don't go into business with family. But (laughs) at the end of the day, my family has always been very close and going through what we've gone through, not just in terms of losing my sister, but all the ups and downs of you know, being athletes, because my brother's an athlete as well. I just know that my family always has my back and I've always got their back. And there's no one that I would prefer to go into business with than my family, because I know at the end of the day, no matter what happens, that we're, we're always there for each other. And if things do come up, we do have our challenges. Normally it's, you know, we argue or we disagree because we're very passionate about what we do and we care. It's not just that, you know, we're out to get each other or anything like that. So I think the reasons that we've we have challenges are actually good and they they help us become better people, better business owners. And yeah, I think it's been great so far. It's been a hard journey, but it's been great doing it with family and my sister coaches for us. And that's been great. She's been a huge help as well. And unfortunately she's just been roped in because she's part of the family. I don't know if it's say what she wants to do, but uh, it's, <laughs> it's great. We all sort of band together and, and that's what family is. And I'm so lucky that I can work with my family and have that kind of relationship in our business. Well, that's amazing. You've got, you know, you've obviously really, really close with your family to be able to, to have that kind of uh, that bond where you can go into business and go, you know what? Like we can, if if we argue about something, you know, we'll probably be able to have a laugh about it later. Yeah, definitely, and that that always helps. I think, and when you know people on that sort of level, you can you can sort of switch pretty quickly as well. Yeah, you can yeah. be in the heat of an argument or something and then it, something can be really funny and, and, yeah, you definitely laugh about it later on for sure. One of the other businesses that you have, uh, because, I mean, you have so much so much going on and you're, you know, like you said, you're a competing athlete so you're, you're training as well. Uh, but you have an activewear brand called Havoc Athletic and that's H-A-V-O-K. Athletic. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it's builders, activewear by athletes for athletes. So is it just for super fit people? I did create it for athletes, you know, and it's created by me. So I'm an athlete. I've been wearing activewear my whole life. And the type of activity I do in diving requires a large range of motion. You've got to be quite flexible. You've got to be able to fold in half in multiple directions uh, to get into these tight little positions. Um, a lot of what we do is dry land work. So we, a lot of people don't know in diving, you, you do, you're obviously in the pool a lot, but 50% of our training is doing what we call dry land. So it's basically diving, but on trampolines and into foam pits. So that's why I need active weather. I can do all the sorts of things I do in diving in, but not in the water. So basically, I, I've i also in the past sort of few years dabbled in a fair bit of CrossFit and that kind of thing. And it's definitely something I've been interested in, not just uh, to mix things up in my own training, but also in terms of hardcore, where we'll be going in the future with that. And I found that as a diver, I started wearing a lot of similar things to CrossFit athletes in terms of those you know, the little booty shorts and things like that, that you can you can move in and do a bunch of exercises in. But there was a bit of a gap in the market here and I was buying a fair bit of stuff from overseas. So I think I just thought to myself, there's no point in me constantly shipping from overseas. I may as well just try and do it here. So 
I basically just developed Havoc and started developing clothes that were going to be good for me but also good for CrossFit and I've sort of stuck to that sort of lifting niche of CrossFit athletes or powerlifting and weightlifting and just been growing it in that space and that's the space that I'll be in in the future as well so it's been really good for that and and good also I guess just in terms of looking at where I'm going to be in the future and networking a bit more in that space. It's that old entrepreneurial thing of seeing the gap and then jumping in and finding a solution to the problem. Yeah, definitely. Now, before I prematurely retired you. Retire <laughs> <laughs> <Say> you, Seth. <laughs> um, does that mean that you've got your eyes on the, the next Olympics? Uh, yeah, definitely. At this point, I'm actually just taking things one step at a time. So last year was a massive year for me with the Tokyo Olympics. And uh, as you guys know, it got pushed back a year because of COVID. So that was a really big, I guess, Olympic cycle, just in terms of having to push at that intensity for so long, having to train from home, missing out on comps. So having to sort of make up for that a lot with a lot of mental psychological work as well um that was really big and and I did have to put a lot of time and even though I was running businesses and doing a lot of those things just the intensity that that requires for diving just I was spread pretty thin and and it was quite a challenging couple of years leading to the Olympics so at the moment I'm just basically you know refocusing just taking things one step at a time and just one year at a time. So for this year, we've got a World Championships and a Commonwealth Games. So I think I'm just focusing on those. They're my biggest goals at the moment. And then once I get to that later on, then I'll reassess again. But in the meantime, just focusing a lot on my career as well and and making sure that I'm moving forward in that aspect. And what about that mindset? Because you just spoke about the psychological impact before the last Olympics of all that time in isolation and not being able to train the way you wanted to. When you compete on an elite elite level, then what do you think it takes to develop a winning mindset? I think the biggest thing with mindset is that it's not something that you sort of learn and then it's a skill that you've just got. It's something I very much feel like you have to work at and you have to keep working at it and it's constant it's it's I guess that you the more you improve it the more you grow and and as you you know not just as an athlete but as a person I aim to just be continually growing and learning more about myself and the more I do that the more I pick up these things along the way that help with mindset and definitely I knew as a young athlete that mindset was probably one of the biggest things for me and one of the biggest things holding me back from doing well for so long so I worked really hard at it and the more I did the more I found all these other things to do and and other ways I could be improving so that's been really interesting but I also think that it's something that you you can't just develop not only overnight but unless you go through challenges as well um you know that you the more you have to go through the more you grow and the more you learn from it and I think that that's been the biggest thing for me is just having gone through so many disappointments and other things in life I've learned a lot along the way and that has helped create a mindset now that I know I can overcome future challenges yeah there is that old adage if it doesn't break you it makes you stronger 
Yeah, exactly. What does kill you makes you stronger. I'm getting, I'm getting the <laughs> Kelly Clarkson song in my head. Now we're going to yeah. have to pay royalties. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's my, that's, I think it's our cue to wrap up, isn't it? Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry to put you through that, Melissa. Um, <laughs> Melissa, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, guys. Now, if you want to keep up with Melissa, head to her Instagram page at Melissa Page Wu and check out Hardcore Strength on Insta. That is H-R-D-K-A-W Strength. And please join us next week for another insightful conversation with an amazing mover and shaker on next week's First Act. Ciao.